Hello and welcome to Wonder Pod, episode 195. I am, of course, Bruce McGee. I probably sound slightly better this week because I'm back on my headset. The internet gods have been kind this week. Um, last week's disturbance in the forest was due to some fuckwit with a backhoe down in the San Francisco Bay Area. I did find out that much about my internet outage. Um, took out pretty much the whole north end of the state. There are a lot of people pissed off. <laughs> off about that so um but we're back to our usual brand of shenanigans three of us all on headsets and or whatever's and doing a show so joining me this week as he always does he's cold it's john Brr, well we had a small reprieve from the cold today at some point, at one point today, but yeah, it's icy and it's snowy and it's, you know, enough. <laughs> now the other man that lives in the snow and has to deal with it, although I don't think quite as much as you, our very own Pat Man, Can Man, Van Man, says ice is worse than snow. This is the thing I've always heard. You live in one of the coldest places of people I know on Earth. Is it really ice that's more of a bitch than like snow? Hello. Oops, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were muted. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, we don't. It's a bit of a mix. There's always a mix up here. Like we always get this wet, heavy snow, and that mixes with ice and freezes over, and then thaws out. It's we're living. We're living right on the water, so you know it's, it's a constant state of flux. Really, it's cold, but it's. It's it's not it's not so cold that it doesn't snow. You know what I mean? Like when it hits minus. Right. Minus ten Celsius, you don't get you know, and below, and below, it's not that often. But when it's that cold, you don't get so much snow. But when you get, when you're hovering around minus two, minus four all the time, you're right on the freezing point, so you're getting a lot of heavy, thick snow. I know it could be a bitch when you're ski racing because I've been on courses where like, if it's all ice, then that's fair enough. You just <laughs> Really hope for the best, mm-hmm. <laughs> depending on what discipline you're racing. But it's the mix. It's, it's the mix. It's Slips. crunchy one minute, and then, oops, I'm on ice, I'm on ice, I'm on ice, I'm on ice. Stay upright, stay upright, stay upright. <laughs> yeah, and of course, our, my, my, my wonderful city snow-clearing efforts are, are pretty lackluster, so you end up with all this slop and mess everywhere in the roads. It does get narrow, more and more narrow oh, as the winter goes on. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is if they don't get it, to, it's at least been my experience, if they don't get it to it right away and it becomes kind of an iceberg curve, yeah. it's there until it <laughs> melts. Yep. I've actually been in ski areas in the, in the Tahoe or Lake Tahoe region where you can go there in like the first part of June and mm-hmm. there's just these little strips <laughs> of, of, the, of like snow and ice that might be a foot wide and four foot tall because that was what all packed up and it's always right against the edge of a parking lot road or something it's hilarious okay so from the frozen tundra to back to monsoon city delivers he was wearing shorts this week it's glacinator yes hello it is ridiculously pouring outside so i was gonna go walk to get food afterwards but i don't think that's happening anymore because i would drown it, yeah, so. but isn't that, that that sounds like one of at least the the way it was in Alabama? That sounds like one of those forty five minutes and it's gone types. Oh no, yeah, it's probably it'll probably be gone a little bit. That doesn't mean the water goes away on the ground here. Oh, uh, that is, yeah, that is. Swim over there. 
That is that is true. Yeah, campus will be flooded tomorrow. Everyone's going to be around in galoshes. And I don't have any, so I end up just taking my socks off and shoes and walking like a peasant to class. <laughs> the old barefoot method? Yep. That can be kind of dicey in certain areas, certain spots, couldn't it? There's nothing I hate more than wet socks, so I'm willing to risk uh, getting AIDS-infested feet uh, <laughs> instead of wet socks. I, I have to agree with you there, and I'm I, I'm fairly certain that you've never worn the style of tall, well, tall-ish pull-on uh, cowboy work boots that I wear. But there is nothing worse on this planet than wet socks inside of boots like that. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't like them in tennis shoes either. So, yeah, I don't blame you. Um, so, yeah, this is actually a gaming slash nerd podcast. Um, believe it or not, it's not the Weather Channel. Um, who wants to go first this week? I'll go first, I suppose. <laughs> Glaze, <laughs> any objections? No, go ahead. Do we have to have a parliamentary <laughs> debate now? Okay, apparently not. Go ahead, John. <laughs> All right, so uh, outside of the usual stuff, you know, the Lego Marvels and the Tomb Raiders, uh, I played a few more things on, on the Wii with uh, with Peter. Uh, we're kind of going through the the various uh, Wii wares and, and, and virtual console titles that are just sitting there, and I was just poking around. So we played a little bit of uh, Mega Man 2. Uh, he, he thought it was pretty cool, and... You know, he, he didn't. He didn't play it himself. He just watched me play. He gave it a shot at one point, and and the, some of those jumps and enemies were kind of a bit too much for him. But but he he certainly enjoyed it. And I, I let him pick the robot master to 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 approach first, and he actually got the first two right. Uh, and as as coincidence would have it, you know, his his one in nine chance and his one in eight chance. So. Um, but then on the third one, I I got a game over, and because I wasn't I don't know I wasn't trying too hard, but I but I hit the point where I believe he I had I had the we were doing the Crash Man stage, and I had the blades of Cutman, and I had no not the blades of Cutman, Crud, what the name? I, I had the blades, and I had the stop time, and uh, Fla- of Flash Man, and they weren't doing anything to Crash Man, so. Yeah, we, I, we gave that up pretty quickly. But then we got into another game on WiiWare, which was World of Goo. And I've, I had forgotten how good World of Goo is a little bit. I played that a couple of years ago, of course, when that came when I first came out. And I, played, I, I finished the game. And, uh, you know, World of Goo is, this one, is this, this, that game where you have to build uh, bridges or towers out of these little, you know, goo balls using the Wii remote to grab and place them. And you kind of have to build the, the the tower to this pipe or build uh, or the bridge so that you can get the the, the, the lattice of goo balls to get to the pipe so that whatever excess balls are, are, are rolling around gets sucked up by the pipe and that's you know if your goal is to get 10 you need to get at least 10 up there so you have to, you have to optimize your 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 building ability and and um, minimize your waste so but what I was happy about with that game is that Peter really got the concept right away and and what you have to do picking up and build and uh i, w- I was quite impressed because uh, i mean I, I played i think three levels and then he wanted the remote and got you know he knew he used the pointer you know right right away and and uh, found it very easy so I, i'm very pleased with that um because it's it's not it's, it's not just a you know 
platforming, running Twitch, you know, jumping and all that kind of stuff. This is actually you got to put some real thought into what you're trying to do and plan ahead and make sure your tower doesn't topple over or if you don't hit the the, the spikes. So I, I think uh, I think it'll be a good exercise, you know, um, for him to play that that one a little bit more uh, as the as the as the weeks go on. Hopefully he he keeps a bit of an interest in it because he, he's still loving that Lego Marvel. I, I won't I won't deny that. Um, speaking of the Wii, uh, I just wanted to mention that I moved my Wii from the basement where all my other systems are in the rec room, uh, up to the spare bedroom on the, on the old television, the old 27 inch CRT and, uh, and to use it basically as a Netflix box. And as it turns out, I've had some frustrations with it because it seems that we Netflix on the Wii is not all that stable. Uh, when you try to boot it up, sometimes it kind of crashes. You know, once once you're in there, you're fine. But if it doesn't load up properly, it, the the Wii basically locks up, and you have to turn it off or uh, pull the power out. Uh, one time, Wanda had to try that, and but um, I just wanted to comment that it, it felt weird for me because I actually felt bad for the poor Wii that he got demoted to a Netflix box. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I have GameCube games in the in in my in my bin over there, the 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 pile the where the pile is, and you know, thinking to myself, oh, if I move this up there, am I ever going to play them? These these games, you know, will I ever play Battalion Wars? <laughs> will I will I get to that playthrough of Pikmin Two? You know, that kind of stuff. But but you know, I mean, luckily with the Wii U, Wii games can be played on the Wii U, all of them, and. So I had no worries about that, I guess. But yeah, you know, it was a, it was the it was a day one uh, Wii um, release, the you know, launch day Wii, and and uh, yeah, I felt kind of silly, but I did feel bad, bad about hooking it up and leaving it up there. It's uh, that's pretty stupid, I guess. But uh, not really. Main... It's well, it's, it's a like my PS2 sits here. I've got a thing that was originally built for a printer that works great for consoles. Uh, so that wouldn't stand. My poor PS2 sits back there simply because it, I don't have anything to plug it into. And occasionally I look at the poor bastard sitting there, sad, no lights on because the power's turned off. I'm thinking, I'd really like to play you, but I don't have anything with an RGB connector to it. <laughs> I guess I could haul it all the way out to the living room, but that's where the Wii's collecting dust. <laughs> so it's like, eh. So you're not wrong. I think we get really fond of even the you know. Well, you're talking about GameCube games. Yeah. Until the Wii U, it was not one of the most loved Nintendo consoles. Yeah. Now, one one thing about having that system up there is that I I actually might be a little more inclined to actually play a few more GameCube games because the, those old games will look better on that CRT TV. Because I've played GameCube games on my on my 46 inch down here, and and they look kind of terrible, you know, kind of pixely and stuff. And so, you know, maybe I will get to, get to that uh, that that full uh, Mario Sunshine playthrough that I never I never fully did, you know. That is actually a good point because the 32 inch, the new 32 inch LG that I that I bought was bought specifically because it had the you know the three. Wii connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's RGB. I can't remember. I don't know anymore. Um, yeah, I, the one time I did hook up the PS2 to it, some things really start to look like ass at the edges of the screen. <laughs> some of that stuff doesn't translate well. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'll see how that goes. Um, but the main game that I wanted to talk about, uh, the most interesting one, was a game that I got on sale on, on my PS3. It was on, it was on sale, uh, digital download. Uh, it's called Puppeteer. And if I wanted if I if I want to describe Puppeteer, is basically what I would basically describe it as is kind of like Little Big Planet, without 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 the level building stuff, just a pure platformer of Little Big Planet mixed with, you know, say Tim Burton made Little Big Planet, and 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 and, uh, and made a game, and it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a pla- it's a Really hard to it's kind of it's not really that hard to describe, but it's a 2D platformer where you're this little character who's uh, you know the the soul of a of a lost boy who has been turned into a puppet by this witch, and the witch has, is doing these things to turn to uh, get these little puppets to uh, to be consumed by the the the, the moon the uh, the moon bear, which has taken taken over this this puppet based plant uh, uh, world, right? The moon, there's a moon bear, and so the way the the style of the game is very little big planet, and it looks it looks very 3D. Every 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 level is like a diorama with a with puppets in it, and you're running around with this pair of giant scissors, and you're cutting through paper. Like things are like every, and everything's kind of made out of paper. Um, not not like that shark game that we talked about one time before, but uh, you know it's all very te- textile, like little big planet. And so you you're jumping around, you're collecting little stars, you're um, you know you're you're using these scissors to not only use as a weapon, you know, cutting these you know the various enemies, but let's say a, a tree was on the on the screen with these big leaves, you could jump and start cutting, and as you cut through the leaves, it pulls you along. So like you're not so much so not like you're flying as much as it's it, you're creating a trail for your for your character to follow, and he'll go up. You know, you know, go up several screens high and up these vines that have big leaves. Or uh, some of the enemies are. are there's one. Uh, it's kind of like a horse's head on a, on a piece of armor, but it had this big cape. And then you could cut up the cape, cut the, cut the cape off. And or if it if it hung a, a piece of cloth down, you could cut up the cloth and attack it at the top, finding a weak spot at the top of the off top of this big monster. And you know, it's a pretty original game. The the, the style is very dark and, and moody, um, which 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 is why I, I kind of throw the the Tim Burton in there, like like a Nightmare Before Christmas almost. Like it's it's not claymation like that, but like but it's it has that feel, you know. Um, it's pretty it's it's pretty fun. Um, the platforming is not as floaty as Little Big Planet, but it definitely it is something's definitely borrowed there from that style. Uh, they, they must have really liked that game, <laughs> I can tell you. Um, and the music is really good. It's it's not quite as epic as a Danny Elfman music. Go back to, back to the Tim Burton reference, but it's uh, it's very good. Uh, but it's it's a kind of game I've never seen this kind of game before. Uh, dis- despite the influences, like it's very it's very unique. Um, oh yeah, the the other unique mechanic about it is that. Um, the, your character is little, you know, he's like, like he's about the size of Sackboy would be on the screen, and but he has uh, interchangeable heads. Like he's a puppet. He started out with his little boy's, uh, you know, style head, but then he loses it. Um, the the bear actually eats it, and but his body's running around with this little spring. And as you run around through each level, you can find different heads, and each of the heads give you a different a different power. So 
uh, think of an example. Uh, you can find a spider that's the size of your head and it goes onto your body. And once you do that, you, if there's spiders in the level or if there's an, indi an indicator that pops up that, that says here's where you use this power, um, you know, it, it opened up a secret world, a secret level for me, actually. This, this spider came down and helped me access a different part of the world that I couldn't get to before. There's another one. Um, let me think. Jeez, uh, what was the... There was a there was a pumpkin one and there was um, a, a, a oh there was a skull you, you just find a skull and you go into this one area where it's all skeletons all over the place and you find the special spot where you activate your special power you know all these bones come down and pick you up and carry you around or you you might you might you know eliminate a bunch of enemies with with these skeletons that fly in that happens with a few bats actually bats fly in with with a bat head and and take out these guys so. And you, you, you basically keep three heads in your stock and you can interchange uh, between them. And they kind of act as your lives. So if, if you get hit and you lose your head, you can try to run and, and catch it again and put it back on. But if you lose it, that's one of your three chances until you find another head. So it's, it's an interesting mechanic that, you know, it's, it's just interchangeable powers. But, um, you know, some, and some heads are special, more special than others, more rare. So there was one... One level where it was a girl's head, and, and you, 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 or a fairy's head, and and if you, you if you manage to save that fairy head until the end of the level where you found the place to use it, um, it unlocked the special bonus or whatever it might be. But if you lost it, well, that's it. You can't do it. You have to replay the level again. And so, the, and the levels aren't too long, and they're and, and when you when you finish a level, you know, you're right back to a menu where you can kind of select through and pick ones and. You know, you can see how you did. Whether you saved all the little boy souls that are lost, you know, in the in the world. If you, how many pieces, how many of the gold stars you got, and you know, how many heads you found, how many, and, and then it also tell, but it also tells you, luckily, how many were available to find. So you you'll know if you didn't get all of them or not. So, you know, there, there's a bit of that chasing if you want to do that for the for the trophies. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, Peter was absolutely mesmerized by it. He, you know, he could. He, you know, for him, I think it's, it has a little bit of that. Um, it's it looks super fun, but it's also a little bit scary because it's kind of got that spooky atmosphere to it. Uh, it's the same. Like, it's the same reason why he his favorite episode of any show that he he watches is almost uh, always the Halloween episode where there's a ghost or a monster or whatever trick or treating and there's something scary. It's the same reason why he likes Costume Quest. There's that small element of of scariness that that. That draws them in, and I think this game has it as well. Uh, it's rated it's rated E, I think for E for everyone. Um, but it's, you know, granted, it's age seven. I think it says on it, but you know, I haven't had any problems with with him with it. And yeah, seems like a great game. Um, I, I I don't have much more to talk about outside of the first world that we finished. Um, well, each each world and each world has three has three acts. So we finished the, the first three acts, and. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably play, you know, sit down and play it. It was the middle of a snowstorm, really crappy day, so it was a good chance to sit down and play something new and for an extended period. So, yeah, Puppeteer, good game, and that's what I've been playing. Yeah, the Twitterverse and social media folks like that like that game a lot when it came out. I was hearing a lot about it. Speaking of the Twitterverse, whether whether you like Adam Sessler of Rev Rev Three, I think, who he's with now. Or somebody like that. 
Whether you like him or not, this is the reason I follow him on Twitter. This is a, a tweet he made, like, I don't know, 10 minutes ago. Today, my wife wrote her legal brief. I put a banana down my pants. Hashtag marriage. Uh, <laughs> sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> uh, there was something There was something else I wanted to say about uh, something you played this week, and now I forgot what the hell it was. Oh, oh, I know what it was. Yeah, nobody, no, nobody should really be shooting for the atmospherics and uh, talent level that Danny Elfman seems to be able to produce in scores. Now that's a little bit of the fanboy in me because I'm a huge fan of Oingo Boingo and a huge fan of Elfman, but <laughs> he's pretty, he's pretty damn good at that spooky. He was a perfect fit for Burton in oh, yes. in almost everything he's done. Um, you know, and you see interviews with Elfman. I wouldn't mind seeing him make video game music. Um, I forget, I forget who in the hell it was that I was surprised. Oh, um, don't like the dude, but the band leader was kind of interesting. He's a former stand-up comedian and sketch actor that was on SNL. He's now Jimmy Fallon's band leader on the Tonight Show. Oh yeah, and he's. Go yeah, ahead. He, he, he has his own show. Yeah, he has his own show. Portlandia. Portlandia. Right. Yeah. I love, I love Portlandia. Yeah, he's done Portlandia. It's a little too hipster for me. I've watched a few episodes. I just, it, it's not for me. I'm too old and and too, not not from Portland. Um, <laughs> I live on that coast. I love Seattle Dealery. Portland just has a different vibe to it. I'm fine when I'm there, but it's just not me. Um. <laughs> I like my hipsters more snotty and snobby, not nice. Or I saw I prefer Seattle, but he's also done video game music. If you go look, if you go look at, I th- I'm pretty sure it's him. Somebody can look me up and correct me if I'm wrong, but or look it up. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I was reading, you know, because a lot of people were going, "Why is he Fallon's band leader? He's not a musician. You know, he's not a musician." Of course, they all want him to be like Letterman's knuckle bald knucklehead. Um, Paul, what's his face? <laughs> so, mm. you know, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm puppeteer really sounded intriguing to me. It was one of those ones for PS3 that, that hmm. Now, if I ever got a PS3, I definitely have to get it because I like yeah. those. I like those odd games like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. I played Cargo: The Quest for Gravity. Um, <laughs> I, apparently, I, apparently, it has a pretty good 3D mode if you have a 3D TV. Um, because of the the diorama uh, layouts of the of the of the levels, like the camera doesn't move, like if there's no, right. so it allows for a pretty cool 3D effect. I haven't done it yet, um, but one of them days I'm gonna either bring, I'll probably bring my 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 small 3D TV down from upstairs that we use in the kitchen, and uh, and give it a shot and report back. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I I was gonna say yeah for all five people that bought a 3D TV, but I forgot you're number six because it was the Dirt cheap on sale that time. Yeah, dirt cheap, yeah. All right, Mr. Glacinator. Outside of trying not to drown in the monsoon sea, what have you been doing this week? Uh, mostly just more awesome knots. Uh, maybe I am slightly addicted after our discussion last show. I don't know. But um, other day it was nice because I ended up playing with some people that actually knew how to play the game properly, uh, which is surprising because you think people know how to play the game, but usually people just end up going for kills and that's about it 
and they don't realize that the goal of the game is to destroy their person's base. And so these other people I, were pl- I was playing with understood that you needed to push the little robots to the turrets first before you attack the turrets, you know, and would follow up with an attack. So everything was very coordinated, and it was nice, and I friended them on Steam. We played some more games, so uh, they seemed cool. Um, really, I've always been playing, playing, but I'm going to talk about something I haven't been playing, but I've been watching, although it's game-related. And uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about this at all, but have you heard about the about Twitch playing Pokemon, Twitch TV? Yes, where like 14 gazillion people are playing Pokemon at the same time or something to that effect. Yes, I've had it on the background of my computer for the past three days. I have it on right now. Um, basically, what it is, is you can go on this, on, the twi- on this Twitch stream, and in the comments, you can type in the button press, and that button press will, act, will happen in the game. Like, he has this whole uh, code set up so that when you type it in, it'll go into the game and does it. Which sounds cool, but the thing is, there right now there are currently ninety thousand people typing in button presses, so it gets very uh, confusing very fast on what the game is trying to do. And for the past three days, they've been stuck in uh, the ghost tower in the game, and uh, they have a Pokemon that when you activate it outside of battle, it digs and leaves the building, and so every time they get up a couple floors, somehow like. Someone presses start, another person, another person presses down, another person presses A. That Pokemon uses dig, and they have to start all the way over again. So, but 30 minutes before the show started, they finally got to the top floor and got to the staircase. And it's so hilarious because you get so excited watching this when they do the most simple things, like getting to a staircase, because there's so many people pressing different things, and they finally get up that floor. It's like, oh yes, they're so close. But when they finally beat that last boss in the tower, it was I'm like it was ecstatic. I don't know. It was a very odd feeling. Why I was so excited for it? It was like watching your team in the Super Bowl or something, just because it finally happened. And uh, right now they just went to fight Snorlax, and uh, they spent ten minutes trying to open up their inventory to get the the item out that would wake it up. So they're just all standing in front of this thing, and the guy keeps moving up and down, left and right, and like choosing the wrong item and throwing stuff away that they need for later. Uh, they had a huge problem a few days ago where after they died, they went to like the computer where you can manage your Pokemon. And while they were managing the Pokemon, they ended up releasing half of the things they had caught in the game. So <laughs> <laughs> there's like this huge, like there's so many inside jokes that have come out of this. Like, uh, that people are like making like fake gods out of like the different Pokemon. Like, you're not a true follower of Bird Jesus. He's the only savior here. No, we like to use this Pokemon. You release this Pokemon. So everyone's just fighting over like who's doing what. And it's a huge mess. But somehow they already have four gym badges. I'm not sure how they even got this far in the game. But I really hope that they do finish it. So it's kind of it's the most frustrating, fascinating thing I've ever watched in my life. Like I hate watching it, but I can't stop watching it. Because it's when they finally do do something, it's incredible. But I would definitely suggest checking it out just for the novelty of it. What's that game where you rolled up everything in its grandmother? Katamari. Ka- Katamari Domancy. That's Domancy, what that, yeah. that that's what that thing reminds me of. It's uh, like oh, who's messaging me on Facebook loudly? Um, that's what that reminds me of. Is is just I watched like five minutes of it and I'm like, oh my fucking god! It's like turning a lunatic asylum loose on a Twitch stream is really what it is. 
Oh, yeah. You're right, though. You can't look away. Like, if I didn't have other things to do, you know, that I didn't want the Twitch stream distracting me from. (laughs) Oh, it's been distracting me, believe me. Like, (laughs) I leave for class, I come back, I'm like, oh, what's happened since I left? Oh, they went up one more staircase. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, (laughs) they may have been in a tower when I was watching it. Because when I was watching it, no, I think they were outside on, like, one of the little roads or something. They, like, they didn't go in a circle. But it was almost literally like the old cliche. Like, they'd take five steps forward, and some asshole would press down, 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 and they'd take five steps back. Mm-hmm. And for, like, 15 minutes, I sat there mesmerized watching them walk the same five steps four times as everybody's pressing buttons. I have no idea why it's so fascinating. Like, it's nothing happens for about 90% of it, but when that, like, 10% of stuff happens, it's just... It, it's amazing. Oh, I got to admit, before I turned it off, they got to the end of the street. And I thought, holy shit, I never thought I'd see that happen. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 so stupid, but it's it's worth a watch just because I'd like to see it with a platformer, though. That would like a just throw in Super Mario Brothers. That would be funny as hell. That'd be funny. Yeah. The thing is, they have to choose games that don't have a time limit because it takes so long. That's the only problem I see with that. Isn't there some, isn't there some Super Mario Brothers that don't have like a dead, dead time limit? Or or do they all? I have no idea. Me, yeah, Super... They, they, pretty, they pretty well all... Well, uh, Mario Brothers 2 doesn't, I don't think. Super Me Boy. It doesn't have a time limit. Oh, no. They oh, would, my Jesus they Christ. Would, I can't even beat that. the normal level as one person. There's no way... That would be able to be funniest. It'd be funny. They wouldn't get past the first step. Oh no, I I got further in the game than they would if there was that many ninety thousand people trying it. I suck at Super Eat Boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also played some Awesome Knots, and I got to tell you, John has had this campaign going, an internal WonderPod campaign going, up to be buying Guacamole. I don't know, like, if he just likes to torture himself because I suck at platformers and eventually get frustrated and never finish them. Um, that one XBLA platformer is the only one I think I've ever finished this gener- this last generation. <laughs> um, but he, I felt really bad because he, he made a point of, of telling me that it was on sale the weekend and I lost my wallet. It was too damn drunk to do anything about it anyway, even if I'd had my wallet. Uh, so it was on good old games for dirt cheap. And believe it or not, John, I got concept art with it. I've got a bunch of desktop backgrounds, which I'm rocking one right now. It looks really awesome. Um, and some other extras crap that I need to go through. Here's the problem. Generally, unlike, I think pretty much the entire rest of the WonderPod and WonderPod online crew, I can usually play most games with a keyboard and mouse. I has these skills because I grew up playing keyboard and mouse. Um, but Guacamelee is definitely not one you're going to do that with unless you're just super twitch, 12-year-old crack fiend. Um, there's some combos and some, and some jumping maneuvers that you have to do that just you cannot do. So I finally bit the bullet and purchased a Xbox 360 wired controller. Now, the first game I actually played with it, I played two rounds, one today earlier while Glacinator was on, uh, is Awesome Knots. And I gotta say, Awesome Knots is a hell of a lot better. 
I'm still okay with keyboard and mouse, but the Awesome Knots is a hell of a lot better with a controller. Um, oh, and Glace, uh, the Mr. Cowboy with the Bull is probably going to end up being, although I'm unlocking more now, it's probably going to end up being my favorite character in that game. Uh, Lone Star. Yeah, Lone Star. Because, I, well, I finally learned, or finally it dawned on me that I could use that uh, bull attack to rush forward our bots. Yes. So once I learned that... <laughs> I I love I, I tried using the metal chomper guy again. To, he's just too damn slow. <laughs> I can't get I because remember I played him a couple times when you and I were playing together, mm-hmm. and I I just can't get used to his slowness. Well, with the bull guy, you can also use the bull right in front of the turret, and it's a shield for a little bit of time. And you just throw a stick of dynamite at it and back off and wait for bull to come back back and do it again. Right. So, it, yeah, it's like a little mobile shield. It, it actually lasts long enough if you time it right to th- run right up, throw some dynamite, which I always super upgrade anyway, and then actually blast it a few times before you have to run off. Now, that's if no other little blue bots or, or, or uh, blue enemies show up, obviously. Um, in fact, the match I played this afternoon right before the uh, I shut down my computer and did some other stuff for the podcast before the podcast... Uh, <laughs> We'd gotten all the turrets knocked down, me and the bots, but I didn't know if I was going to have enough time to go ahead in there and actually kill the enemy base. We did get it accomplished. But Guacamelee is is, is everything John's told you it is. Um, I, I had to break John's heart a little bit earlier before we started recording the show and telling him that probably most likely I'm never going to finish it. Um, I got to a wall jumping section today that makes no sense to me. It just pisses me off. Um, and I have the same problem I have with with almost every platformer I've played since 1983. When I do a jump one time, one way, and it works, and then I press the buttons the same exact way with a brand new controller, mind you, and it doesn't do it that way the second time, you're not going to maintain my interest. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. And that, the thing that's super important to understand about this is that's not Guacamelee's fault. That's me. Now, that said, it John is, is a saint and a hero for, for keeping after me to get it. Because what I have seen, and for kicking chickens alone, the game is hilarious. Um, we got into the whole discussion, did Drinkbox too much, do too much with, with uh, you know, memes and, and, and shout-outs. And, no, you know, I, I, I'm not even a... a third into the game and i've been going relatively slow for me because i'm not a collector like john i'm if, if it's too much hassle to go back and get something because i haven't learned the appropriate combo or punch i'm not going back <laughs> it's pretty that's pretty pretty much how i've always been but um but the 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 memes that i've seen the the just shout outs i, I and i mean you can't help but get affected by the music and the fact that you're a luchador. I mean, I was screaming Lucha Libre to myself while I'm running around playing it, you know, and I've switched. I switched back and forth between the the male luchador and the, I guess, female luchador. I don't know. I'm looking, I'm staring at them both right now, and I'm not really 100% sure. Uh, and and, and it's, it's definitely one of those games that, that I am glad exists in this world. 
there, there's no two ways about it. And I, I don't think Drinkbox um, overdid it. I'm pretty sure I said that when we talked about it last time, and I'd never set foot in a game. Um, the super, what the hell was it, Habanero Brothers Tag Team World Champions billboard? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get a screenshot of that and turn it into a banner for the podcast at some oh. point. So I much sp- of that stuff was great. It's great wallpaper material. I spent 10 minutes laughing at that. that was Do I have it right? Was it the Super Habanero Brothers? I don't remember, but I mean, it was it was just... And they're wearing the old school, like, singlet <laughs> yep. tops, you know, and... Uh, oh, and my other favorite, and then I'll get, and then I'll get off of Guacamelee. Um... I don't remember what he was called, but the toilet luchador. The toilet luchador. Yeah, he's when you go in and learn a combo from the chicken at the gym. Oh yeah. Oh shit. Is it just uh, El Toilado, or was it like No, El no, Mano it's like or? no, yeah, I don't remember. But he's only got the tank on his head. Like there's yeah, no the, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's a standing outside the the, the building, right? With the right, other... and if you talk to him. Uh, he'll he'll say something like basically that you disrespected him and 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 you know you want to step back or you'll get the power flush. <laughs> the power flush. But what I thought was so clever about it, I mean, I I, I say that this show is produced by Toilet Monkey Studios or Productions or whatever I've got it down as. I, toilet humor to me is hilarious, and I don't mean as in dirty jokes. I just mean anything involving a toilet. But what I thought was so clever about this was they could have went the full nine yards and put the bowl there and had, like, the, you know, the, the toilet seat talking. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They just put the tank on his head. And it looks great. It looks fucking hilarious. And it, it was a nice spin on, you know, because there's been video games with talking toilets. I mean, it, that's, or, or you know, uh, little set-piece jokes with, with toilets that talk and stuff. So I... I it really does not matter if my sucky ass gets through this game or not, quite honestly. I, I've seen enough and played video games long enough now to tell you that, that that those are guys that are passionate about games. End of story. <laughs> you know, I mean, and 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 if, if your game or genre or something is mentioned in there. Oh, the other one was the, uh, Mr. Destructoid, the mascot of Destructoid.com mm-hmm. is in there too. And I thought that was really cool. I did not know that one. I, I, I wasn't really surprised. He's been in a number of things since they first came up with that robot head. Um, but yeah, so I, I will continue to play Guacamelee. And if I get, if I get through it, it will be bare bones minimum just to see the story. Most, yeah. Have you gotten to the uh, mother loving goat yet? You mean the one that turns into a dude with a cane and back into a goat? Yeah, that wants to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom, he yeah. Oh yeah, that's his first set of lines. He asks, yeah, the first combo he teaches you is that the rooster punch. Does he yeah, teach so, you the yeah. rooster punch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he yeah he makes a joke about your mom and you're like supposed to be saving the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That guy's awesome. Yeah, I just got him again because I did the... Oh, that's how... Yeah, he gives you the wall jump, too. Yeah, he gives you all the power-ups. And I like how in those areas where you meet them, they have the little Metroid guys, uh, the statues that are holding the orbs mm-hmm. there. The, the, the Chozo yeah. statues, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
yeah, yeah there it's was all, it's all lifted. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. You cannot. I heard one very snobbish, unclever hipster douche canoe calling it a a copyright infringement machine. And no, the, there's too much love and passion put into that because everything they do, everything that they riff off of, they make their own or they or they find a clever way to use it. That's the thing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the difference to me. You know, and I mean, you could go back through. I, I, my th- my thing is, and I'm not going to give any more because I think there's a few. Maybe the two of you haven't seen. Go pay close attention to everything when you go into towns, because there's little knickknacks literally all over the place. That, that absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Um. I, I I just I've been impressed with it. Um. Moving on from that, I've been playing some more EverQuest Next Landmark. I'm giving it a rest for a while because it's. It crashes a lot, and I just every time I see some amazing Colossus that some artist person like our very own Glacinator, who's far more talented than I am, uh, I see a picture of what they've done, and I just get butt hurt because there's no way in hell I'll ever be able to create anything. Like it was, it was okay in Minecraft because there was only so much you could do in Minecraft. This game gives you potential to build things that I just shake my head looking at some of this stuff uh you know because i mean there's some amazing amazing things in minecraft like that guy that recreated hyrule um but this is this the art has such better textures and, di- and different things that you could do with it i i'm not giving up on the game it's definitely one i'm going to spend more time with but but for now some of the crashes i'm having and i'm not seeing solutions that are reasonable or 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 <laughs> even working um, and I'm not blaming Sony for that. I bought into an alpha. I'm not an idiot. I know what that means. Um, and then actually, believe it or not, Warm Online, one of my other favorite sandbox survival building block games, uh, was supposed to have their 1.2 update, I think, this week. And some dickhead DDoS them and knocked their game offline. And so their old host took them offline and they were down for like two days because they just decided to migrate to a new host that's going to be better suited for what they need. Uh, my suspicion is is that the DDoS attack is coming from some folks that about eight months ago, roughly from the rumors I heard, got caught um, cheating in the game, essentially running scripts and, and, and other things that, that really break the game. Um, and they got mass banned. Um, because as somebody pointed out, you know, uh, a DDoS attack doesn't take uber mad hacking skills like some things do, um, you know. And so I'm looking forward to this update, even though Worms kind of getting to the point where it's run its course, sorta, for me. But they did a lot of things with this update that I, I I'm thinking will improve the game and will. Uh, fix some of the the issues that I've had with it over the time that just seem ridiculous that they hadn't done something with. My focus for them, for to me now, is okay, you've added a bunch more shinies. Now go back through and fix a lot of the bugs from the last year. Stop this fucking trying to sweep it under the rug with new shinies that get everybody all excited. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it's in their best interest to do that because it makes for a better game. 
rather than rushing off to the newest and latest and greatest thing. And then finally, uh, best I can tell, looking at my <laughs> desktop, I've been playing Star Wars. Oh, no, I'll back up. Dragon's Prophet. Playing more of that. There's a video on wonderpotonline.com if you can go look. Nothing else. It's got me riding around on a dragon in it. What, what the fuck more do you want? I mean, if how you can train, if how to train a dragon, how you train your dragon, or whatever the hell that movie was called, sold that much, made that much at the bo- box office, I'm pretty sure you could take five minutes out to watch me actually fly a dragon in a video game. Um, I I've kind of cut back on that one for for the last one that I'm going to talk about. Uh, I I'm still interested in it. The combat's actually becoming more fun to me as I go along. Uh, in fact, in my video, you'll see the um shooting some combat it was kind of accidental if you look at the beginning of the video it seems like i fell into that combat and quite literally i did i was standing on a rock and getting ready to press record on the uh frap software and i fell off the rock and right into the quest combat i was getting ready to do so being a catches catch can fan i just <laughs> turned on record and went to battle um and then Finally, Star Wars, The Old Republic. Now, you'll be hearing a Cam Van Man question here in a minute. <laughs> I'm going to have to correct a couple things because he got a little confused, and it's easy to get confused because Star Wars does not explain things. Um, that game's been really interesting. I played it in beta and didn't particularly like it. Now, here's the funny thing. I played Trooper Class, which in The Old Republic is essentially the clones, the starting of the... Uh, you know, uh, stormtroopers and da 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 da, and all that. And I don't, for those of you that know the vast extended history in the expanded universe, don't give me a bunch of crap about getting it wrong. Piss off. It's it, it. That's a brief timeline for people who don't care about that nerdity. Um, and I didn't like it in beta. I I was something about it felt off. I really couldn't. I really couldn't. Um. I really could just could not get into the groove. And it's interesting because uh, I wrote a post about Elder Scrolls Online, and I'm not going to talk about it this week because you can go read that. Yeah, I think you're capable, friends at home, of reading 600 words. I'm cutting down from 1,000 to 600. I think you should be able to get through that, most of you, unless you're illiterate. Um, I just could not. It was not what I wanted a Star Wars game to be. There was nothing wrong with the game mechanically or art or any of that it's just knights of the old republic and knights of the old republic 2 this the two bioware star wars rpgs from the early 2000s really had a certain feel and vibe to them that really made me feel like i was in the star wars universe so during the beta i played it through all the beta weekends that i got access to and i just am like nah this isn't for me and again Part of the reason was is I was not enamored with it enough to pay for a subscription fee, which is what BioWare and EA decided to do. Um, and so when it went free-to-play uh, with subscription possible and other things, other goodies, I tried again, except this time as a Jedi. Uh, and I lasted maybe six levels and, again, was just was not in a groove. This time I tried a Smuggler class, which is essentially the Han Solo-esque class. And for whatever reason, that story resonated with me. Um, I, it really hooked me in, and I'm getting a big, big, big kick out of playing this game. And seeing things that are in the same timeline as Knights of the Old Republic, 
but later on down the line. And that's about all I'm going to say about it because we're about to talk about it again. Um, but I also have a video of that up on wonderpotonline.com, which you can watch, and you're going to get bothered about it again here in a minute um, because the van man was also the showman this week, and I love him for it. Uh, <laughs> so that's all I've been playing um, this week. But yeah, yeah. if you could get guacamole, it's on everything now. You know, unless you're an even bigger platform hater slash not good at them, so you know it's a bad investment of your time than me, there's no reason not to just go run around and do it as a visual slideshow to laugh at all the jokes. Because I, I personally think that thing encompasses 30 years of gaming. You know, some of those guys have been around a long time as far as what they were using as in jokes. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we have a Van Man question, as I said, and he's going to talk to us about Titanfall and Star Wars. Um, it's going to be interesting, and we do have more stuff lined up after this, but I'm not 100% sure we're ever going to get there. <laughs> um, the Van Man always asks questions in such a way that it gets excellent discussion out of the three of us and that's what i look forward to when we get you know pre-recorded segments um it's something that will spark discussion uh, in any way shape or form so it's time take it away man in the van what is going on people it's the man and he's back in the van that's right i'm not in the can i'm not flushing away my problems this week Weather's a little bit better now. Sure as hell isn't spring yet. It's only February. But I can sit in here and record. Sometimes. So what does the man in the can and the van have to say about this week? Well, this week, I got two topics. I got two things to talk about, so I better make it quick. First off, I'm going to talk about Titanfall. Yes, the Titanfall beta was out this week or last week, depending on when you... Listen to this. And I was in on it. I was in on it before it went public. It's pretty fun. I enjoy it quite a bit. There's nothing revolutionary about Titanfall, but I don't think it ever said that it was going to be revolutionary. I think it just said it was going to be a good shooter, and that's exactly what it is. Titanfall takes a lot from a lot of other games, but seems to integrate it really well. Basically, there's two types of gameplay in this online-only game. First of all, you're on foot. You're often on foot as a pilot, waiting for your Titanfall to drop. Sometimes it takes up to three minutes. When you're playing on foot, basically, it's a combination of Call of Duty, Crisis, and even a little Halo thrown in for good luck. But it's all done really well, and it's all done really ultra-smoothly. It's quite fun. Um, You have these sort of like jetpack things. They're not really jetpacks, but kind of jetpacks. And it allows you to really play vertically. That's something that you don't play too much in a first-person shooter. You're usually on the ground. It's the ground game. Sure, you'll find some crazy-ass sniper who will find a way who will find a way to 
climb up a tower or something and you got to look up. But in Titanfall, you really have to look up all the time because it's easy. You can climb up those buildings with great ease. You can bounce back and forward between close buildings. Hell, it felt like I was Mario in Super Mario Sunshine, bouncing back and forward in a back alley, just like you did back in the day. So, single player, or single player, playing when you're on foot as a pilot, a foot soldier, it's been done before, obviously, but they really did a good job of integrating all of this into one. It's faster and smoother than any online game I've played. It looks great. And you really got that vertical gameplay that's a bit different. Now on to the Titans themselves. I mean, it's called Titanfall. Well, yeah, they're cool. I like them a lot. Um, they're a little harder. I find the hit detection in the Titans are not as good as the hit detection on foot. But then again, it was just a beta. I would describe, if I described the single player, a single player, why do I keep saying that? <laughs> there is no single player. When I describe on foot levels as Call of Duty meets Crisis meets Halo, inside the Titans, I guess it's a lot of a faster version of Mech Warrior and definitely some Terra Nova. The... The Titans aren't quite as big nor as clumsy as the mechs in Mech Warrior, but there is a feeling, a feel of that. And they're definitely not as small as the bodysuits in Terra Nova, but it feels that way too. I mean, it's it's a combination of a couple really good PC games. It's smooth, it's fun. Everything about the game I like. It didn't revolutionize anything, but it doesn't need to. I'm one of the Xbox One owners who... We're looking for the next big thing. We're starved for first-person shooters, any shooters game, really. Titanfall is going to be good. Titanfall's helping the crave, I guess. But anyways, there is a problem with the Titanfall game. And people haven't really talked that much about it. And that it's really, people are calling it half a game. And maybe they're right. Because there is no single-player campaign at all in Titanfall. There's no level editor. There's no co-op. It's online only. What's there is awesome, and I'm enjoying it a lot. But what about single-player? What about campaign? What about co-op? None of that's there. So, while I'll still probably buy it because, A, I got a $50 gift card for Microsoft points on Valentine's Day, burning a hole in my virtual pocket... And B, I want to play the next big shooter on my new-gen system. But are they getting away with only giving us half a game? And that's the question I'm going to ask the WonderPod crew. Do you guys think that Respawn Entertainment is getting away with giving only giving half a game? Do you think they're taking advantage of the fact that there are no big-name shooters on the Xbox One currently. There's no Halo 5, there's no Gears of War, there's nothing next-gen out yet that has a story mode and has the full deal. And are they getting away with half a game because of this? Are we Xbox owners so starved that they're taking advantage of it? Maybe they are. 
That's the question I'm asking you guys. Now on to Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. For those of you who haven't been to wonderpodonline.com, first of all, shame on you. <coughs> there's lots of Titanfall videos, Killer Instinct videos by myself, but there's also videos coming now from Mr. Bruce McGee, and one of which is Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, the MMO. It's gone free to play. And I was sending messages back and forward, Bruce and I, through Facebook, what we do sometimes. And a thought popped into my mind, and probably popped into his mind before. It's like, these, ga- these games are pretty cool. I was watching the video. I encourage everybody to go to Wonderpod Online and watch the videos. What if they made a movie? What if Disney made a movie based on Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic or the Bioware games? It doesn't matter. Basically, of that universe, that timeline. I thought it was a really cool idea, and I think it would be better than these one-off movies like the Young Yoda movie and the Young Indiana Jones movie. There's maybe a Boba Fett one. That one might be okay to watch, but I don't think people are that excited about these one-off movies, these movies that are going to be coming out in between the new trilogy. I think maybe it would have been more exciting for them to do something else. So this is the question number two, the second question for the WonderPod crew. What do you guys think of the idea of Knights of the Old Republic movie? I mean, could you make a trilogy out of it? Could you, what could you do? I think it's a good idea, but what do you guys think? And then you got to think, Bruce also thought it was a good idea in our chat, and I'm sure he'll answer it similarly, but... What if guys like me, guys like Bruce, were too much gamers, you know what I mean? Like, would the general public accept a game like, or accept a movie like this? I don't know. Maybe we're thinking too much of it. Maybe people want to see young Yoda and young Han Solo, and they don't want to see a Knights of the Old Republic movie. I think it's a good idea. So, feel free, guys, to talk about... Knights of the Old Republic, if it was made into a movie, would you go see it? Would you like to see it? What would you like done with it? This is open for any type of discussion. What do you guys think of that? So, I better wrap things up. My two questions for the crew this week. Number one, Titanfall. Titanfall's awesome. What what is there is awesome. But there's no single player. Is it half a game? And are Respawn taking advantage of the fact that there are no big next-gen shooters? And are they getting away with offering only half a game? My second question was the Star Wars question. Knights of the Old Republic. Could that be a good movie? Should they make it? Would you rather see that than watch the Young Yoda movie or the Young Han Solo spin-off movies? Those are my two questions for this week. The man in the van's got to get into action. I'll be back in the can or in the van at some point. See you all on the flip side. Woo! Well, welcome back, Pat Man and the Van Man. So... 
Half a game, eh? Hmm. I don't know. It, the idea of an online multiplayer shooting game only, the, I think depending on how much is in that package, how like how robust that game is, I can... Uh, I, I don't necessarily see it as being bad that it doesn't have a single player. I mean, for how... For how tacked on sometimes you 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 know, multiplayer parts onto onto good single player games, it's very common. There are also multiplayer. You know, Call of Duty might be an example, where, you know, the the, the multiplayer is what people what people stick around for, and and if you can make that multiplayer experience you know robust again or really really in depth. Um, I mean, I I didn't play the beta. For Titanfall, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. It's it's pro- it's probably amazing how little I know about that game. But I mean, the beta is is just that it's a beta, and what the complete package will be at the end of the day, um, you know, I think I think time will tell what what they what they put in there, you know, beyond bells and whistles, just in terms of depth and uh, variety and and different things you can do, you know, to approach. A multiplayer shooter, hopefully differently a little bit. Um, the, you know, I, I, the example I, I, I think of sometimes are like, uh, uh, in terms of a game that's online only, multiplayer only, might be that one mag, the the uh, the massively the multi, multiplayer action game, massive the massive action game, whatever it was called on PS3, that was an experiment of, it was just you know squad based team-based stuff where you had a guy who, you know, one person oversees a whole troop and you try, you know, you know, huge numbers of people and, and different kinds of things you can do, you know, I, but, you know, I know Titanfall is, is a little more focused. There's only six, I think there's only six uh, players at a time or whatever, but, but if you can really make that experience something special rather than just run and gun and shoot and that's it, you know, I, I, to me, I don't think it's necessarily half a game. I, I'd, I'd like to see what it brings to the table, to, you know, to, to be totally confident in that statement. But I think there's a chance that you can make a multiplayer game that's 100% focused on it um, without being half a game. Um, you know, I, I think putting this out before another Gears, before another Halo, um, you know, I, I don't think. I don't. I think it's trying to set itself apart from those games a bit. You know, this is the this is the next gen. This is what you can do in next gen. I I, I would be surprised if they squandered it by just having some multiplayer game that people can run around and do stuff in. I do I do think that there's got to be more. There's more in the pot than than you know what seems to be a very simple a simple thing. Um, you know, will it set a standard? Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised uh, if some if some other you know, companies decide well, you know, here here's where this is the way to go. Uh, let's 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 put our team focus on one thing and one thing only. But uh, we'll probably get into some more chat about that. What, what do you think about a half a game, uh, Glace? Um, is it worth it? Is it is it is it you know, worth the sixty dollar price tag that a, that a, a full a full price game would have? Well, I when I was home last weekend, I did watch my brother play about six rounds of the beta. And just from watching the beta, 
and I know it's a beta, I didn't see enough going on that it seems like it's that in-depth. Now, I know when the full game comes out, there will be more maps and more modes, hopefully. But even then, I'm not sure if that warrants a $60 price tag. I mean, because if you're paying $60 for Battlefield 4 and you get the multiplayer, plus you get a single-player campaign, albeit the campaign may suck, but you do have an option of playing something even if you don't want to get online. And for people that maybe don't like online that much, like I know Bruce sometimes doesn't really like that sort of thing and just wants to screw around and offline, then you don't have that option. I think that even if there's not going to be a campaign, you should still be able to provide a single-player option, even if it's just playing against bots, you know, and, uh, and, and just multiplayer maps but by yourself. Like what Bruce did today with Awesome Knots. He didn't want to play a full online game, you know, and have a bad rating, so he just did a single-player game by himself, even though it is a multiplayer, only a multiplayer game. So I'm not sure if I like the idea of it only being you have to connect online, that's about it. I'm not sure if the final game will have an option to do it by yourself. I hope it does. But from what I've seen of it, it doesn't seem like it warrants a $60 price tag. And that's what concerns me. Um, I could tie this back into DLC and things and then ran on that, but I won't I won't do that to save everyone that, that hassle. But I, I have a real problem with when developers withhold content from gamers and i understand if they're withholding because they don't think it's it's worthwhile like if this is sort of a opposite bioshock 2 you know where they tacked on multiplayer and it kind of sucked and this is more of a they'll tack on single player and it sucks so i can respect them if they do it for that reason but i don't think we can totally say until the full game's out full game comes out but even if it is just multiplayer i don't think it is worth the 60 bucks and that's just from what i've seen it could be totally different when it comes out i don't know but I, I don't I don't like this idea of charging the same amount for less, honestly, because that's what it is. But that's my opinion. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to take over for you in the DLC department. Um, by the way, it does have the three-point capture one that we love so much from Battlefield. Um, Pat investigated that. I love these questions he comes up with that I'm kind of a part of, but at the same time, it fucks up my talking about it on the show because his he and I's conversations are so raw and we're not necessarily mean to each other but we don't back down you know a lot of times the three of us whether by nature by chemistry or by 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 some other means come the three of us usually come to some kind of consensus uh in a lot of these discussions we do uh, Pat and I don't always. We sometimes will walk away. Neither of us ever walk away mad. Um, I think the only time we made each other mad was the Twitter incident of way back when. But uh, and we got over it. Um, and that's why I like Pat so much is because I can talk to him about things like that. And and it's so it's really hard for me to to do this discussion to a certain extent because I'm trying not to pull in my. <laughs> My completely unfiltered comments from that discussion, because my initial reaction was, oh, it's EA. Oh, and it's a $60 for multiplayer only, and then a fucking butt ton of DLC maps, premium. Yeah, no, fuck you, good night, kiss my ass. Because they want to make the same amount of money. That's my other problem with this. You know, the old gamer in me doesn't like 
the idea of multiplayer only. And it, Glacinator was slightly off on Awesome Knots because I don't care about my rating. It's going to suck whenever I do go online. My thing has always been that single player allows me to get into a groove, meaning comfort, with a set of controls. It could be the same controls as the last game, like Battlefield 3, to, to Battlefield uh, Bad Company 2, to Battlefield 3. But I want that time on my own, solo, in some form or fashion, to get used to things. Because, see, unlike a lot of dickheads, like Pat was talking about, in, in, and, and this wasn't fair to the game, but it's not helping them in my case. He's playing that capture point mode, and, and dickheads are trying to play deathmatch. You know, um, they got back. He got backed into corners and spawn killed with four dickheads and titans. You know, and it's like, <sighs> then you know that's why I quit playing COD games because you get all these little fifteen-year-olds that are not trying to play the game type or dickheads. So let's just not even put an age on it. Just dickheads that aren't trying to play the game type. They just want to spawn kill you because they think that's what elite means, and it's not. But I, I, I'm 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 going to say that I'm not going to begrudge anybody buying this game for $60, partly because it's your money, tear it up, partly because I think you will get some value in it over time. But I just can't see myself doing it. The problem I have, and, and something I still need to, to, to work out for myself, is... A lot of things that I think it was Zampella of Respawn, one of the founders, the one that's still there, said about they had this research and that research and only 5% of people finish single player and nobody wants single player anymore. This is EA. Now, I'll defend EA when I think they need defending, as I will anybody. But EA and focus groups, and any research they do in-house is 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 just complete bullshit to me. Because it's set up to give them an answer. They tweak the group until they get the answer they want. And I so I don't believe for a second that only 5% of people play single-player to completion and that the majority does not want it anymore. The loudest screamers do not want it anymore. Because somehow they think it's going to enhance the multiplayer if you rip out single player. Which leads us to another interesting fact about Titanfall. Respawn was formed in 2010. Right? Had a publishing deal shortly thereafter. Game's coming out here in March. They've had four years to work on this game. And you're making multiplayer only? Oh, and if that's not enough evidence for you, it's mounted on the Source engine. That's a 10-year-old engine that they've made look awesome. I, I make no bones about that. So they didn't even build an engine for this game. And yet, single player was too time-consuming, too resource-consuming for, for the importance of it, for how many people would play it. Bullshit. I think that's what hurts me personally the most, because I've played this 
Weston, Zampella, and a lot of the people that are working at Respawn's games since Medal of Honor Allied Assault. And so that to sit there and listen to them do what I essentially consider flat-out lying or just bullshitting because they wanted to make a multiplayer-only game just really bothers me. And it, it's it's another driving force. And why the hell should I give you money when you're just going to not... You know, I don't expect them to follow my every whim, like the Mass Effect 3 whiners. But when you can't even call a spade a spade and say, we want to play a, make a multiplayer-only game, here you fucking go. Buy it or don't. I could respect that more than bullshit focus groups and crap and lies of 5% only. Shit. If it's 5% only, well, then that's three-quarters of the WonderPod crew. Even Glacinator, who's a great multiplayer player, and generally focuses their plays quite a bit of single player. <laughs> you know. Now, to the second part of Pat's question, and the part I kind of waited until we got through the would you buy it or would you, would you not. Um, do you think that they were more willing to do this because it was the first one out of the gate, next gen, the first big shooter, brand new shooter? I mean, um, Killzone's been out, but it's franchise. Uh, John, let's start with you. Do you think that do you think that that made them a little more comfortable to do this because nobody else is out with their, you know, like Bungie? Yeah, I I I, I think I think so. I mean, they really needed to get this out the gate and and like I, like I said this this is next gen this is things you know this is what it looks like here is the new ip you know that they needed to have this out right but do you think they they felt no that it doesn't matter they needed to have it out i mean it was it was coming down to them or bungie yeah you know oh yeah okay well, but but, what but I mean, did what it I, mean, I think i think it definitely made them trim the fat and and if they considered a single player to be fat, they wanted to trim it down to, to get it out. Is, is, that, is that what you mean? No. What I mean is, is do you, <laughs> do, do you think right. that gave them... No, it's not your fault. I'm not explaining it well enough. Do you think that made them more confident because they knew they'd be first out? Doing it that way. Do you think, they, do you think they'd been... Let me put it a whole other way. Do you think they'd been less likely if... Destiny was going to drop two weeks later, and they saw that coming. Yeah, that they have this gap in the in the release, and they and so they can put what they want to put out there. You mean right? So they, so they can be confident. Yeah, definitely. Or they were against a COD or a Battlefield. Yes, it's not next gen, but but it will sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, they definitely had the. The, the buffer room to be confident to get something out like this, yeah. Glace, what do you think? You think you think that's driving it, that they got the freedom to, to sell bazillions while everybody else is still waiting? Yeah, I mean, what else is out right now? Honestly. Well, look, if... if Shit it, all is out right now. I don't even know why you... You have an Xbox One. Where are you going to play? Three games? And then jerk off to your Kinect? I guess. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> um... I was trying to think of a good joke to keep the masturbation theme going, and I just couldn't come up with one uh, because it's like four games on. So it's really funny because Sony keeps releasing their numbers, and then NPD releases theirs, and it's just like we get it, Sony, you're winning, or at least you think you're fucking winning. 
Can we stop now? There's two things in gaming media we should need to stop right now. Sony releasing their own numbers, fuck off, and, oh, this only runs so many P on this one, and it, it, but it runs more on Sony's because, yeah, video games. Does it look good, assholes? Oh, it looks good on both of them? Then fuck off. Anyway, tangent over. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. And, and truthfully, it doesn't matter if it had anything to do with it. The terrifying aspect of this, and he talked about it in his question, is the, is everybody going to start doing this now? Now, the one patent I came up with that probably wouldn't would be Halo. But could you see Activision and COD and some of their others following this path if, if Titanfall sells bazillions, which I'm about guaranteed it will? Uh, Glace, you first. Wait, what do you mean exactly in, her, in terms? Is everybody else going to start yanking, yanking single player now? That the, 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 the hive mind bought it? That the majority's slurping up this game in buttloads without a single player? So, hey, let's all do it. I hope not. <laughs> uh, I, I said the same thing about DLC, early release DLC, but look at it now. It's not any better, so... Yeah, it's not does not look good. So I think you're. I, Pat and I came to the conclusion that that Halo would never do it because too many of the f- fanboys want to see what number one one seven is gonna do. As whacked mm-hmm. out as apparently Halo Four story was <laughs> to Pat anyway. I'm I'm pretty sure that it sounds like. Cortana twisted as fuck is probably right up my alley, but I think it threw a few people off off of their game there. Uh, John, do you think that's gonna this is this is the beginning of the end? They're finally gonna get to kill single player and sell half a game for sixty bucks because one did it and was successful. I think I think the possibility exists, yes, because I you know the the cost of making a game. Is, is is getting higher and higher and, and we talked about that before with Tomb Raider and you know the cost of that game versus what it made and that being a success even though it sold millions you know if they can keep the costs da- the cost of making a game down that has mostly multiplayer focus anyway and by ditching the single player and save those resources and or and not have to spend that money uh, and still and still and still charge 60 bucks you damn right they'll they'll drop it uh, I hope it does. I, I'm like I'm with Glaze. I hope they don't do it. Um, just you know, but I would say people coming up with new IPs and or, or wanting to get things out on the, on the market, you know, I, I think it could definitely be there. Oh, believe you me, it's going to happen. EA is so stupid. Sometimes they'll probably do it with most of theirs. If Activision thinks they're losing money on COD because of it, especially since COD Ghost did not do you know, uber astronomical good this time compared to the last Modern Warfare, um, they'll drop this shit in a heartbeat. And I've been dreading this. I've kind of known this was going to happen. Again, it's a little bit more personal butt-hurting that it's, it's, a, it's a group of people. I've played their excellent games for so many years, you know. Because that's the other thing. I mean, the, the, the new crowd, the younger generation, doesn't have a fucking clue what the people at Respawn have worked on prior. <laughs> you know, because there was something before Modern Warfare. Kids at home. <laughs> you know, I mean, 
they have worked on a lot of just excellent were the market leader shooters. Sadly, I think they've taken too much of a play, too many plays out of the COD playbook. And and I, I think game-wise, that bothers me more. I was hoping for something a lot fresher. Even if it's, it's similar, even with giant titans and, and pilots on the ground, it, it looks too twitchy. It looks too much like C- it, it It feels it feels like too much like some you're playing COD with mechs. And I really, I, I'm, I'm not only because I'm becoming an old fart every, faster every day, but because I, I, COD's pacing and style was never my favorite. I preferred Battlefield's a little bit more seesaw, give and take there, type there stuff. There was one really cool feature that I noticed when I was watching my brother play, and that's uh, when the ground is almost over. Um, you have to. There's an objective sort of thing. I don't know if you saw this in Pat's video or not. Oh, the escape. The drop ship. I thought that was a really cool implementation. Like it comes in, it, the game turns into a different game. You know, it's the same game. So if you lose, if you're losing, you have to get back to the ship. You know, and it turns into sort of a search and destroy thing. Yeah. So I think it'd be cooler if the game did. I don't know if it will. If it does more of that throughout the match, where the game type sort of changes throughout. I thought that was that was a cool idea, though. That is one element where I'm really impressed with. It kind of adds a different take to the tickets running out. You know, Glace, when you capture all three points and the other team's so incompetent, mm-hmm. you're just kind of sitting there yeah. waiting for the tickets to run out or the lives or whatever you want to call it. I, I think it. I think it's kind of a new twist on that. But I'm almost wondering if it's not a spawn killing festival deterrent. That was the thinking behind it. I don't think it's going to because you can shoot down those dropships with Max. <laughs> Pat saw it happen num- a number of times. Um, but, yeah, that is one thing I'm curious about. I mean, right now, truthfully, we're in, we're in between split generations with, um, you know, with the Xbox. And apparently it's too difficult for the 360 and Xbox One to cross-play. So since I can't play with Pat, I mean, that's yet another incentive not to buy it unless some of the 360 crew gets on board. Well, I should be a dick and narrow that down. People I want to play with get on board. Um, You know, so that leaves me with PC and playing with randoms. Man, that don't work. (laughs) My days of doing that, I think, are long over. So I just, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch and see what it does. You know, because reviewers are going to have to figure out what they're reviewing as well. You know. It'll be curious to see. It's out March, like, 10th or 11th for PC and Xbox One, and then a week or two later for the 360 port. So, now, on to his second question. Do you guys want me to give you a little bit more history like, like nuts. Yeah, I have no idea how to answer this. So. Okay, okay. So what he's talking about is okay. And I said this a little bit pre-show, or maybe when I was what I was playing. Knights of the Old Republic takes place in a certain time frame in the uh, in the in the uh, uh, Star Wars universe, right? And in that one, you are and fuck you if you 
say anything about spoilers because it was made in 2003. I'm not going to give away that much, John, though. So if you, it, it's not going to make it so you don't want to go play through it either. Okay. <laughs> um, I wasn't the aiming the fuck you at either at you. It was aimed at the general public. Um, you are this certain character type, and, and and you're having some pretty severe issues at the beginning of the game, uh, and you kind of d- find yourself as you play through the game, right? And then KO and then Knights of the Old Republic 2 kind of takes off on that, takes place a, a, a little bit later on down the line from the original. Um, and it basically is it's light side versus dark side with some gray area thrown in, and, and you're essentially trying to, you know, save the universe. Um, and, and in Knights of the Old Republic, the original, it ends in a very climatic battle, uh, uh, very, very much... Star Wars like it's it's pretty powerful. I was really impressed with the ending when I saw it in 2003, and later on I played it since. Now Star Wars: The Old Republic, which is the MMO I'm currently playing, takes place 300 years later, but the influences and the the uh, folks involved in the original two games, their their ghosts are felt and seen throughout a lot of what you see in Star Wars The Old Republic. Now, uh, the uber Star Wars nerds can correct me via text, tweet, post on the site. This all takes place before the setting of um, the original three movies and takes place not long before five... uh, four, five, and six, roughly. So what he's asking you essentially is instead of some of these proposed rumored spinoffs, would you like to see more of a full-bodied movie about a set of characters you do not know that exist in the Star Wars universe in some shape or form um, and see their lives at a time that you, at a timeline that you have not seen from Star Wars? But it's definitely linked and intertwined with what you do see in the movies. Uh, is it making a little more sense after all that rambling, Glaze? Mm-hmm. Okay, so why don't you start off? Would you rather see something like that, something more full-bodied with a cast of characters? And believe me, if you just went off these video games, uh, there's a definite cast of characters there. Both good and bad, in between. Um, very easily translated to movies as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Only thing is, I feel like if you did make a whole nother series, or maybe even just even just one movie with those sets of characters, I think like most of the public would feel like it's almost like a rebranding in a way. You know, oh, this is the new hero. This is the new. This, this is the new that. So I think it'd be really cool if it was in a different style and not like sci-fi adventure, but it was more maybe it was something different. Maybe it was a drama. Maybe it was horror. Maybe, I, I don't know, but with those characters. So there's already a, a can set up that you can go off of, but doing a completely different movie style, but in the universe that we already know about. I think that might be interesting. That's an interesting thought. I'll, 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 I'm going to check back with you if you still feel that way after I talk, because there, there's, there's specific things that I want to say I haven't said yet that, that, that may clear up some of that for you. But I, if it doesn't change your mind, great. I just want to see what you think. John, how about you? I think for me personally, I think it would be an interesting film or films, you know, to see what 
else is going on in the Star Wars universe, uh, you know, that doesn't involve somebody named Skywalker. Um, but that being said, I don't know how much that would necessarily work. I mean, I'm sure it would make money, but would it be the the blockbuster that, you know, if it was a Skywalker movie? I don't know. It's like, you know, I mean, that being said, that doesn't mean you can't have a sci-fi movie that, you know, that isn't Star Wars that makes money. There's lots of there's lots of them. Like, look at something like Avatar. You know, that, that didn't have any Star Wars in it at all. And it was a big sci-fi movie that made a lot of money. So Serenity. Yeah, you know, it's you know, the Serenity doesn't, yeah, for some reason doesn't really click as much. But uh, I, 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 I would say that I would be interested in seeing that. Though it might lend itself a little bit better to, you know, to TV, you know, like a, like a series of episodes about what's going, what ha- what else is going on in this in the universe, you know, at different times, different places, and stuff. But you know, as a movie, it could definitely work too. You know, here's what's here's what I think's hanging you up, guys, a little bit, even if it's subconscious, and that's why Pat was talking about it. Take the thought that this is, has anything to do with video games out of it. Now. Mm. Here's what you add into this. This is just a set of characters that existed in the Star Wars pantheon, right? Jedis, Sith, in-betweens. Here's what I would do with it. And this is something I even held out of our conversation, even though the minute he said it, I knew this is what I wanted to do. To me, Star Wars has always been... Well, back up even further. I think people missed the point of Star Wars a lot of times. A lot of people pointed to be ultimate good versus evil, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Because the Jedi and the light side on one hand are ultimately are the ultimate good guys. But being that ultimate good guy that has a, a, a rigidity to it about doing good and this and that, there's kind of a naivete there, or a naivety there. Uh, that that it, it, it's a weakness that just engenders their eventual downfall or engenders a, a, a giant set of problems because your thinking is so rigid to, to set to set ideals that you don't um, you know you, you, you're not flexible enough. Same thing with, with, with the dark side, except their their probably comeuppance or weakness is arrogance. They're too good to fail. They're too, you know, willing to go do whatever it takes that they cannot fail. And it, and they played off of that, right, in the movies. Then you have a character and, and, and an idea and a thought in, in the original trilogy, not in the second three, which I thought was kind of a shame to a certain extent, of Han Solo. Han Solo is the realist. He is the guy that kind of ties these two sides together. Now, the character that you play in a lot of these video games, and that's exactly what I'm doing with this smuggler, my, my character has a lot of light side points, an ass ton of light side points, because I tend to play as a good character. But I have dark side points because there are certain situations and certain things that come before you that you cannot sit there and, and not be flexible about that, that that maybe doing something less than legal or less than nice 
doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. So to me, the best way to make these this movie, and I think it should just be one, I, there's enough there in this time period uh, with this set of characters to probably get one good movie uh, if, if handled right. Um, and and it's, the focus of the movie should be on that middle, on that gray area, on the realist. You know, so many Star Wars fans and so many people that have written about Star Wars get hung up on light or dark. And I've always been fascinated by the character Han Solo because he is he is the more true human to me because he 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 understands and falls to his weaknesses quite a bit. He does, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think if you set the focus on a character like that, while still having the overarching good versus evil. I think you could make a just flat out awesome movie set in a sci-fi universe, set in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that to me, that to me has far more appeal than young Yoda, young Luke, young. Well, we've already done young Luke, young, young Han Solo. You know, young Jabba the Hutt. I, I have no interest in any of that crap. It's fluff to me. Uh, it, it ends up being just pure fan service, rather right. than going for a real, a real story. Now, Glaze, if, would you would you watch something like that set in sci-fi if they if they took a look at it from a different perspective? The same elements are still there, but look at it from a more gray area perspective, like a Han Solo. It's interesting that bringing this up right now because uh, I'm taking script writing this semester, and <laughs> mining yes, me, mining us again. Are you? No, kidding, kidding. <laughs> and uh, yesterday we had a whole discussion on the rogue character in movies, which is what you know Han Solo is, where you know right. he, he's just a struggle between doing what is good and what is bad, and he, like I said, a gray area. You know, he's going to go this way, he's going to go that way. You don't know. You know, we're following Luke the whole time, but in the background, Han is always there, and we're not completely sure what he's going to do. We think he's going to do good, you know, because we want a happy ending, but we're not, not sure. And I think a lot of people definitely identify with that character more so than the, than the good character, because that's a lot more morally questionable. And Luke is pretty direct in terms of what he has to do. You know, we're following him, kill the bad guy. Oh, wait, he's my dad. Da, 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 saved this. Da, da. Han Solo is more of a okay. I have money. I can leave now if I want to, but I'm going to redeem myself and come back and help everyone out. So I think totally following a, following a character like that would be awesome. Uh, there's tons of movies that do that already. I'm sure you can think of some right off the bat. Um, so I mean, anything where it's more of a moral dilemma and more introspective, I'm all for. Um, keeping it keeping in the same style or changing the style, I think changing the style might help because it puts you more in that mindset mindset of following a character who is morally morally questionable. If it, if it's more of a direct sci-fi fantasy adventure where it's, you know, da da da, let's go over here, then go over here, then go over here, then it'll I think you'll and if you do that, it'll start to feel more direct in terms of what's good and what's bad. If you set in a different environment sort of thing, then it might be more ambiguous in terms of where this character is going. Well, I think you could do it in a sci-fi environment. Just don't make it the big, flashy no, I mean, laser In terms battle. of setting, yeah, sci-fi setting, 
sure, future right. or past, long time ago, whatever it is, but not have it be, you know, we're marching off to go fight this, and th- right. then we're going to have to go travel over here to get this. You know, it's sort of like a Golden Police sort of movie, you know, like well, an Indiana Jones type of movie. Well, and this is the thing, and it took me, in fact, when I played the original Knights of the Old Republic, I tried to do it pure light side points. And a lot of the things where I, a lot of the quests where the light side answer wasn't necessarily the right answer, I felt really crappy about it. And probably when I got back from Alabama, so let's say 2007, I fired it back up again and I played it, I played it more gut instinct. And I ended up with majority light side points, but I had four or five hundred dark side points by the, because that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss misunderstand the right thing to do isn't always the good thing to do (laughs) i've 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 on numerous occasions done the right thing and ended up being looked at as a complete screaming asshole for it it was the right thing to do it was the only thing to do but but yet it just it 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 carried a lot of slings and arrows with it versus other options and I think we've all been there, and and that's why I think that character's compelling to me. And I'm playing this MMO the same way. I'm playing it pretty much gut instinct. What would I do sitting here, you know? And 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 in a lot of cases, you know, it it yeah, you get dinged a little bit. You make a few people mad, but ultimately you're doing the right thing. Um, I I'm I'm and we talked about this before. I'm leery of these spin-off movies. I think you're oversaturating it. And I love your idea, Glace. If it was a different fan base, I I probably could 100% endorse your idea. But the mm-hmm. problem is is anything you and I are batting back and forth and and, and John are talking about, if it's it, the Star Wars fan base would just eat it alive. You know, even if you didn't taking out the fact that it's coming from video games. You know, because in the timeline and pantheon of Star Wars, all these characters stand up on their own um, and have a, g- roughly appeared in other things. I'm seeing NPC characters from time to time. Obviously, none of them are 300 years old, but you see lineage and you see connections. Um, actually, in a way, John, a lot of what's compelled me to play it is kind of the memes and shout outs from Guacamelee. Mm-hmm. looking yeah. for those connections, looking for things I've seen in other Star Wars games. Yeah, it's cool to see the, the continuity between the... Uh, in terms of the Star Wars part, anyway, the continuity between um, the, the, the the settings, you know? Right, yeah, it, totally. So so there you go, Van Man. Um, as usual, I think we damn near got an entire show out of your questions, did we? Pretty close. Let's see what we got going on here. Yeah, we'll do one more just because I feel like thrashing on him. Um, Randy Pitchford, CEO of Gearbox, really needs to learn to keep his fucking mouth shut sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, look, basically when he, he was he was giving an interview and and the subject of Borderlands three came up and 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 my thinking is is why. Aren't the Borderlands quiet at this point? <laughs> and I've played both the first two, um, or pretty much. But his quote was, is, when asked about Borderlands 3, 
Uh, his quote was, I'm not going to fuck around with you like Valve does with Half-Life 3. I... Was that necessary? A funny line. I'll give him credit for a pop-off line that made me laugh my ass off when I read it. But was it necessary? <laughs> Given some of their train wrecks? <laughs> Probably not. But he, he sounds like... He, to me, he sounds like somebody who... Who's who's also waiting for Half Life Three? <laughs> he sounds like somebody that needs a PR person standing right there with a ruler. Uh, Glaze. Well, I don't think it's necessary, but I don't think it's unnecessary either. I mean, bitching about Half Life Three not coming out is sort of like the inside joke of gaming now. I mean, uh, everyone knows about it. before it was Duke Nukem. You know, now it's Half Life Three. Well, it's so. his company's fault we don't have Duke Nukem whenever. I blame them. That's true, but I feel like no matter who it is, you can, you're can you still allowed to poke fun at you know, being teased about the release. So right. It was, I don't think it was in bad. He was saying it in a malicious way. You don't I mean, think there was any malice there? I wondered about that. I did wonder no, about that. No. More joke, more just joking around. Yeah. Yeah, I got to be careful with him sometimes because he said some stuff on Twitter. I don't follow him on Twitter anymore either, but uh, he said some stuff on Twitter and, and, and the way he handled the Duke Nukem whenever disaster and then Aliens versus Colonial Marines mess. Um, which I don't know if you guys saw the humor in it, but this other quote that he made or this other thing he made, um, uh, he did reveal the company's current list of projects, including Fear, Fear is for a New Brothers in Arms title, which I kind of like the uh, look of that when it was when it was. It's actually already been revealed. I don't know if they bought that in one of the fire sales after um, THQ went belly up or what. Mm. Um, and and then uh, let's see what the hell was the other one? Oh, and then three Homeworld World titles. And two new games based on a new IP. Now, here's the part where I really started laughing. He's overspent because he wants to... He he wants to write... What the fuck? That boy, that ain't right. He overspent because he wants to write by his own interest in the property, added Pitchford, referring to home, referring to Homeworld and Gearbox founder Brian Martell. Gearbox acquired the IP last April, beating Tim Pixel, Paradox... Team Pixel, Paradox Interactive, and Stardock. We invested a lot to remaster the original Homeworld and Homeworld 2. We'll be releasing them on digital platforms and fully remastered, not just ported to work, but fully remastered. If you have a new crazy-ass NVIDIA card, blah, 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 blah. Is he just setting himself up for another disaster? We've seen what happens when they try and finish other people's games. <laughs> Yeah. That was my initial thought. Are you really going to open your mouth that wide to have to stuff your foot back in it? Because <laughs> I'm not. Sh I, I'm sure, pretty sure that neither of you are familiar with Homeworld, but it has a following that would like to see it remastered and re-released. But I thought, has this man learned nothing from Duke Nukem whenever? And the utter fucking mess it was. I guess it's less of a mess because these are just remasters. Mm. It doesn't seem like seem like it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. 
Oh, and also don't if you're panicking about Valve's anti-cheat service, looking at your porn links, go fuck yourself. Cheat services have been looking at DNS shit for years just because some knucklehead finally figured it out and could put it on a Reddit page. Good lord. <laughs> my privacy! My privacy! I got news for you. Between little hacktivist dick fucks and, and everybody else, the, the internet ain't all that private. I'm nuts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. hey, take a look at how many trackers you're picking up with, with, with looking, at, looking at them porn sites that you just talked about. Yeah, well, that's that is the ultimate irony right there. These same people that are bitching about this probably have a number of cookies from porn sites. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I it's like, um, you know, and I I think what else also just. I don't get is the like are these people like always on the lookout for something sinister like are they searching for sinister ever uh, around the corner yeah at every turn and so everything has the potential to be uh, ha- you know has the potential to, to do some kind of irreparable damage to you I actually felt sorry for Valve on this one. You know, having to take the time to explain how their cheat, anti-cheat system works. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just doesn't. I, just, I think that's enough show for the show. Did you see anything on that, Glace, how the Valve looks at your DNS catch? and? Oh God. Yeah, um, uh, Newell made a post on Reddit the other day as well. Top of that. So. Well, as much as I loathe Reddit, Reddit, that's a good place for him to put it because it's <laughs> that's the audience that's flailing around about it. What's great is when uh, when uh, uh, the people on Reddit that that uh, joke worship him get in those threads, and it gets really <laughs> strange. <laughs> are Are you sure though that they're joking? Oh, some of them, probably not all. So, <laughs> I think he has some pretty, pretty loyal fanistas, and he's earned some of them legitimately. I, it's only been since basically he wandered out on the stage at the P at the Sony press conference at E three that I've started looking at him through a much sterner eye than I used to. Mm. You, you know. I mean, hey, Valve's a company in the in business to make money. Now that doesn't mean you have to be a dickhead. You know, the at times the company all come all companies are in business to make money. Well, yeah, that's true, and I've even probably said it once or twice. But it it it's more of <laughs> how are you making that money? Valve's no by no means EA or Activision or Ubisoft. But I gotta question some of their choices as of late. You know, how's how, how's Steam working on that PS3? By the way, John, uh, <laughs> <laughs> know, right? playing all your Steam games on there, no problem. Can oh yeah, it's all it's all synced the fuck up. Yeah, did, did your computer completely? <laughs> that was kind of a low blow, but a good way to end it. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, we got a bunch of ways you can do that. First off, is our Facebook. It's WonderPod Online, all one word, WonderPod Online. 
Uh, we have a website where I put an embedded player for this podcast, so you can listen to that if you don't want to listen to the one on iTunes. Um, it's wonderpodonline.com, all one word, wonderpodonline.com. Lots of stuff there. I talk about the Elder Scrolls Online beta uh, this week. I posted a couple videos. Patman's got a bunch of Titanfall videos. Whatever. The original founder and all-around good guy of Project Wonder Boy has got two reviews on there. Um what else we got this week? Oh, a new guy. I'm not sure how often he's going to be posting, but it's a guy that contacted me via email and wanted to do some mobile stuff. Kevin Gannon, he's got a post on there. So in addition to the podcast, which will be out tomorrow morning, as it always is, um, if you want MP3s, we are on iTunes. We are also at archive.org. Just search WonderPod. We're on Twitter. It's at WonderPodOnline, all in word, at WonderPodOnline. Uh, we have a butt ton of YouTube channels, but your best bet is to just see who posted it and follow that to their YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, the, the WonderPod Online all-in-one YouTube channel has kind of gone to hell in a handbasket, i.e. we don't use it. Uh, if none of that works for you, we got an old-fashioned email address. It's WonderPod at WonderPodOnline.com. WonderPod at WonderPodOnline.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter at O-R-I-G-I-M. Or you can follow John on Twitter. At John Keo, J O N K E H O E. Until episode 196, I will be. I don't know. I'll do something. <laughs> Working, most likely. I'm out of here, people. See ya. Cheers. Goodbye. Hashtag screw you. Greatest ending of a podcast ever. <laughs>